I'm Chad Sankowski, your host of What's Your Passion Show. My guest today deserves a high-energy introduction. He's been igniting sports fans for over 25 years. He's had at least eight hospital visits, 1,500 rocking events, igniting over 30 million fans, twirling, throwing shirts, 180,000 of them. And as he says in his book, King of Cheer. Stories of showing up, getting up, and never giving up from the world's most electrifying crowd igniter. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Cameron Hughes! (laughs) Not too loud. Cameron, how you doing? That's a serious intro. You know, it's all about changing people's state when I go to the game, being that spark. And what you just did changed my state. It, 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 it helped get me in the zone to, to, you know, to have some fun and connect today. So I appreciate that. that. That's awesome. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show, first of all. Second of all, talking about changing people's state. So that started about 28 years ago. Happy cheer anniversary. January 8th, yes. 1994, right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about it. Um, you know, I, I, I have the raw footage from that night somehow. And I look at it and I just think to myself, like, I got up the first time and it was a joke. It was goofy. It's like, it could have been one of those moments where you're like, oh, that funny time Bob did a dance or Julie got up at the, you know what I mean? And right. the reason I've had this career is because I kept going. And the next whistle... I got up and I went to the aisle and kept dancing. And I think that that's, you know, it's interesting when you look at people's success and for me, defining success is like, are you waking up every day trying to do what you love to do? You know, in the best of your ability, are you putting yourself out there with what you're passionate about, what you're talented at, what you love doing. And for me, like I look at it, it's like, it's the people that actually do it the second time, the third time that no matter what they show up. And it's something I've learned over the last 28 years. Yeah, so and let's talk a little bit about growing up in Ottawa, right? So I know Canadian boy, Canadian boy hockey, right? But yeah. you liked basketball. Would you say that was one of your first kind of uh, missteps when it came to basketball? Well, yeah, I thought I was pretty good at basketball, uh, but I wasn't. <laughs> I tried out for the <laughs> high school basketball team every year. I was pretty tall. Uh, and, and I tried out three years in a row and like on the final year, um, my, my buddy and I, we go to the school gymnasium. Like you remember as a kid, like the, how much you attach to making that team and wearing that school Jersey and what it meant to be part of something, you know? And right. so I remember going to this, see that name on, you know, see if my name was on that list and it wasn't, and I was crushed. And, um, I got home from school and my mother said these words to me, like, you know, maybe there's other ways you can contribute to the team. You know, I'm like 16, 17 years old. I'm like, what are you talking about, mom? You know, but I was a mama's boy and, and, and I listened to her and she passed away, unfortunately, from an awful, awful battle with breast cancer a couple months later after I didn't make the team. And you think like, you think that's important. Trust me, you know, reality check pretty fast. But right. it was funny, man, because then I went to my high school team's away game and I started to cheer like a lunatic because they needed it. The team was down. You could feel they were deflated. And, and, and it was that spark that, that came out of me of got nothing to lose here. You know, uh, right. the worst thing that just happened to you, but also living my mother's passion of heart and connection and community. So that's kind of how it all. Yeah. And you were, 
and, and like you said, you, you've got to change somebody's state, right? So yeah. uh, you're not changing the skills uh, of the players, right? But if you can change their state and the way they feel, obviously it's going to improve the game and it's going to electrify the whole, whole arena, stadium. Yeah, that's an interesting thing you say that because there's, I, I remember hearing a coach once say for, I think an NHL, NBA team, it doesn't really matter. He said, um, I don't need to motivate my players, <laughs> right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're already here. They're at the lead. They're motivated. I need to figure out a way to get them in the right state, in the right frame of mind, working the right, you know, you know, plays, all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's an interesting the thing that you say that because it's like, I'm there to also, if the fans are coming down at a game, you know, any of these teams I've been to, you want to bring them back up. You want to change their state and that will change the player's state, right? The athletes on the right. field or the court of the ice. Yeah. So it's kind of like a domino effect that I would say it's, it's almost uh, a continuous cycle too, because you're affecting the players and the players are affecting the fans and, and it, it just goes on and on. Right. Well, yeah. And, and then, you know, when I first started my career there, you know, we didn't have flip phones and then we didn't have the videos and all that sort of stuff. Now right. it keeps going on. Right. You go to a game and something funny happens, the usher dances, the crazy t-shirt guy throws your shirt, whatever it is. And you take that moment and then you post it on your social media feeds and that moment lives on for other fans to experience. Uh, so maybe you can be a spark, you know, it continues, right? Right. And, and you know, you talk about that in your book. Um, you, your dad actually heard about that night in the paper, right? I don't want to go too much into the book, but can you talk a little bit about that and then how you kind of continued talking about the dancing guy and then creating t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, after the first night I got up, there was a front page of the newspaper the next day. I went to my local rink job and trying to figure out my life. And it said, dancing redhead bandit steals the show at Senator's game. And my dad, (laughs) I get home from work. He's like, "Uh, you have some explaining to do? And my dad, you know, laughed at it. And then when I kind of wanted to make it a, you know, when they called and they said they were going to pay me and then it started to get momentum and I started to show up at other teams. Like, what do you do when you love something? You keep trying to make it happen, right? Um, with my career, it was just such a weird, unorthodox thing. Oh, there's no like ads in the paper looking for this type of, you know what I mean? Right. So I had to, I had to keep proving to other teams, my value, but then I also had to keep proving to my family and my friends, like, what are you doing? Right. And how many times in our lives have we heard, like, what are you doing? Like, go get a normal job. I don't like that right. word, but you know what I mean? Go do this. Don't, you know, don't have that uncertainty. You can't do this. Right. And luckily I listened enough to care to, to, to go, you know what? No, this is what I want to do. And I listened enough to not care and just say, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. Right. You're an innovator, you know, and it takes people like that to change the game because before you, you're right. That, that nobody heard of that. Nobody heard of somebody getting paid to go and ignite fans. Right. But you yeah, created that. Had- not, not in the way that I was doing it. I mean, there was, right. there's a lot of different acts, obviously, in sports. And, and, and there's a lot of different uh, hosts of events all over the world and corporate events, media events, everything, right? My thing was just to be that fan that electrified that crowd that night and then went to the next city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As you can tell yeah. by some jerseys I have here. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you kind of mentioned like the uncertainty. That would be your family or friends saying, there's uncertainty there, but if you're passionate about it, you have certainty, right? To me, passion is something that pulls you and not pushes you. It's going to pull you to what you want to do. Yeah. hundred percent. And then what, what, you know, 
all the other sort of external aspects of life, like, the, you know, proving your, proving your worth society saying, uh, you know what, that's not, you know, why, why would you do that? Even your, your, your typical, you know, you graduate university, you should then go right. get a job, you graduate high school, you should go to university, all those different things that now we're more aware of, they're, they're a little more hyper sensitive to them in the sense of like, what can you accomplish? And for me, I, I had to, I had to have this belief button that I believed that I was adding value. Number one, that was important. Like at the end of the day, at the end of the game, fans were leaving, having experienced something and felt a greater connection to their team and their community. If teams could see that, then they'd go, Oh, that makes sense to pay him. And a lot right. of teams didn't see it. A lot of teams did. And now as I kept going, you keep showing up and keep proving yourself, you know, over and over again, then everyone goes, Oh yeah, I get why you'd bring him in. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a quote. I can't remember the quote exactly, but it talks about persistence. Right. And like you said, showing up. So you continue showing up. Persistence is basically going to uh, accomplish anything. You just keep showing up and you're going to show your value. You're going to show your worth. And, and eventually people are going to kind of say, okay, yeah, this guy's doing a good job. You know, we're going to keep bringing him back. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, when I originally tried to do my book, I looked at, you know, the, sort of the four big categories of, of my, my, you know, life and trajectory. And one of them is like persistence, but it's also like, there's a diff, there's a, there's persistence and there's resilience, right? Persistence to me is just like, you know, you know, keep getting on the phone. Resilience is being knocked down uh, enough to go, you know what, I'm going to break through this anyway, right? It, persistence right. to me is those little steps you take. Resilience is like, you know, my mother passes away, you know, your, your father doesn't believe in you. And you're like, I'm going to be resilient within my everything I'm doing, no matter what, every day, I'm going to be persistent about making the calls, sending the videos out. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of like uh, gaining some momentum, right? Because each day that you do that, it's just, it's going to keep, it's the snowball effect. It's going to bigger and bigger and you get more used to it. It's like trying to make a sales call. You don't want to do it on day one, right? By day 60, you've done it so many times that it's just like second nature, right? And it's, I guess, a, a stepping kind of uh, effect where each time you're kind of going into an uncomfortable zone where the day oh, before it was yeah. uncomfortable, now it's comfortable, but you got to keep on pushing yourself to, to do the next uncomfortable thing. And you're going to grow. Yeah. And, and, you know, even that it's like the persistence aspect of it. Like you're, 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 you know, you're working with a team and then you don't hear back. And it's like, do you send the email? Do you make the phone call? And, and I, I came up with the term and I, it's in the book. It's like the elegant persistence of, of, of polite nudges of reminders. Like I had to prove that despite the fact that they have a game going on tonight in Cleveland with the NBA Cavaliers, right. they're gonna, it's going to go on without me. <laughs> it's not going right. to go on without the mascot or the cheerleaders or the DJ. Right. So I had to be a lot of people like, that are listening, that are watching, that are feeling this. It's like, like, what do you have to do every day to be a little elegant, extra elegant, persistently persistent to get there? And it never stops. That's the, the good and the right. bad part, right? Right. <laughs> you know, it never stops. <laughs> right. But I mean, it, it can't because you always have to constantly grow and maybe in some ways reinvent yourself because people are going to get bored of the same old thing, right? So you're going to have to shake it up a little bit, shake it up a little bit. And then, then you have to find new customers because I mean, even with right. what I do, it's like, uh, you're right. I mean, 
I could think of dozens of examples where I work with a team for three years. And I'm like, you know what? That was awesome. We love you, but we're going to do new stuff. You know? Right. And there's a cycle on it. So it's like reinventing how you're getting out there, reinventing new customers. Um, also, like for me, it's like I, I do I go to sport events, but I also have been able to, you know, host TV, speak at events, uh, hype up events like it's led to all these, you know, be the voice of different, you know, you know, all these unique opportunities that they see oh, yeah. there and then this happens. And I think right. starting out, we, we don't think like that. You know what I mean? Whatever it is people are chasing, once you get known for something, these other opportunities come. Yeah. And, and I think that's all part of, I like to say like the journey, right? I mean, an experience, you have to experience certain things. And along the way, those things that you, you kind of experience and you learn you later on, years later, might say, you know what? I understand why I experienced or learned that then. It's all kind of coming together now and it's helping. Like you're saying, you're now you're branching off into speaking events and motivational type things. You know, it's so it's uh, you know, just the, the more you do it, people see the value in it and it branches off into other opportunities. Yeah. And I think it's um, you know, one thing I, I learned is you know, in, in, in entertainment and media and, and putting yourself out there as a, you know, entrepreneur and, and this type of venue, you know, whatever, you know, actors, performers, that's what I mean, bands. It's like you go through a stretch where nothing's happening and then you get that phone call and you're like, wow, I believe again because someone believes in me. Someone's giving me that shot, right? Right. And it's like, what do you do at those times when the phone isn't ringing? How do you continue to believe? And I've been asked that question a lot. And I think it's like, you know, it comes back to sort of a, you know, you, you have to remember that you are adding value that you're, that, you know, that what else are you going to do? <laughs> That's sort of the right. joking thing. Like, <laughs> honestly, what, you know, <laughs> I'm not really qualified to do anything, but throw t-shirts here. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, and then it's like, also like realizing how other things have happened in your career. You know, I mean, I could think of 30 times where I was going through the highs and lows and then boom, you get the call and hey, we want you to do something. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's what an opportunity, right? I mean- Right. Yeah, you're going to have those ebbs and flows, the seasons, right? And I was going to ask you about that. Like, what do you do? Because I know there's cases where, you know, um, just trying to get an interview with stuff. And sometimes it's like, well, am I doing the right thing? You know, it, you know am I, did I say the wrong thing? And it's just, sometimes it's just time, right? And then yeah, it's, I've it's, heard- Go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. No, it comes back to like, I think that we forget that everyone has other stuff going on when you reach out to them. <laughs> they're, right. they're, trying, <laughs> yeah. they're trying to get other people, you know, on the line as well. Right. Right. And I, I often forget that. I'm like, why, why aren't they responding? Why aren't they taking my call? And you realize like, they've got a lot of other stuff going on that they have to do. You know what I mean? That team right. is like, you know, they've got, you know, the, you know, the, all these other obligations and I'm not on high priority there. So what can I do? When can I do it to make sure they're aware of me so that it, you know, a, they book me or B when they book me, we elevate the experience. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I once heard somebody like speaking about, you know, you have maybe those lows where there's not really a lot going on or just a difficult time. I once heard somebody talk about uh, it was almost like a cookie jar mentality. Like, when they do great things, when they have those successes, they document them. And when they're having that difficult time, they go back to that and they remind themselves like, yeah, like 
I've done really well. I've had a lot of successes, right, to kind of keep you motivated and, and in a good, I guess, state, right? Because, uh, I mean, if, if you've been successful, there's probably going to be another season. If, you, if you're working hard, you're persistent, you're elegantly resilient, you know, you're going to have that opportunity again. Well, I think it comes down to celebrating your victories too, so that when you do get something, you're grateful for it, right? I, right. I, I've been through that ebb and flow and, you know, I've done certain events for one event in particular for eight years. And I was like, oh, this is going to be every, for five years, I thought it was my last year, right? And then eventually <laughs> it was, and eventually it was, but I look at that event and that experience. And I mean, I see pictures and videos and what happened for me was like, Oh, like just the joy I get now, especially through the pandemic of not being able to cheer as much. I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky I was part of that, which makes me believe that I'll have other opportunities as well, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in the book, there's several times that you felt like quitting. Can you talk about one of those times and maybe what, what got you out of that, that mood or mode? It was probably in uh, LA when I moved there after having a successful career in Canada. And I was trying to, you know, sort of reinvent myself. And, you know, so I had some victories for sure, but they weren't really paying off. And, you know, my buddy had dinner with him and it was a cliche moment where he's like, you know, you see that plane leaving LAX on a, you know, on a Wednesday night, there's, there's, you know, how many people are on there who are quitting. You want to be one of them. And it was like, what, you know what I mean? And it was like, no, I don't. And it was a powerful, powerful statement, dinner. Um, I remember it really well. And, and my friend, he'd been through the same thing. He was a super successful, uh, he is a, a successful writer in LA. He wasn't at first. I mean, you know, he did the small mailroom jobs and agencies, and then he eventually right. worked his way up. But um, I think also like you got to have writer people around you that are supporting you. And that's what that moment, you know, uh, amplified for me. Okay. And speaking of people supporting you, biggest influences in your life who are they yeah who who would you say they are oh i mean my mom in the sense of like her passion and her heart and her spirit uh that's a big one um my couple of my close friends who uh you know would always have my back or you know a door open or uh you know 100 bucks over the, you know, whenever you know in life um, right and then i have some a couple of uh i would i don't necessarily call them mentors but figures that I can, can always call and always, you know, keep me going. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and then, you know, it's crazy. It's like, I don't even know if I've ever said this out loud, but I think the fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Over 30 million of them. Right. I mean, but I mean, like I did the last game I did was, uh, you know, about 10 days ago in Vegas with the eight, you know, 18,000 fans of the golden Knights and, they kept me like you perform at the game. And, you know, like I said, you've, you, you, you put it out on social media and it lives in comments and Hey, um, are you going to be at the game? I missed you at the last game. You were so great. Here's a picture of me and my little baby or here's that, that feeds you because you realize what you're doing is like making people smile and feel good. Right. Right. Unless, unless there's a 44 year old guy that you break his heart. <laughs> <laughs> In the book, Toronto Maple Leafs, right? You're, nice one. You're, you're, you're cheering there. And then he happens to see you at another game and you broke his heart. <laughs> he didn't realize that uh, 
that you were actually going to other games. You, you thought, okay, well, this guy must just be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And uh, in the book, you talk about how the guy saw you. I think it was in the airport. He said, Cameron, you really, uh, you really just broke my heart because I saw you at another game. <laughs> Such a crazy moment. I mean, I was heading to Nashville. I had my Stetson on, my sports bag. And, and yeah, he basically tells me that I, you know, I, I was a fan of this team and I saw you at another team and I tell him my story and what I do. And it was the first time I'd ever really, you know, felt, felt that or had that experience. And when I say felt that, felt that from a fan and felt that from, oh, I get it, right? You're putting a jersey right. on. People care. And so we had a good laugh about it. And I asked him where he was going, what he was doing. And he was off to New York with his daughter and his wife for their 13th, um, her 13th birthday. And I went to the, you know, the little store and I bought her 13, you know, Smarties Canadian chocolates and I, I, a magazine. And I walked up to her and I signed it and gave it to her. And they sat behind me on the plane and we became friends and then became very good friends and up at the, you know, at their summer cabin. And then I, I introduced uh, the, that 13 year old to the university I went to. Um, she went there, she met her boyfriend there and met her husband there. And I emceed their wedding. <laughs> wow. Talk about the ripple effect, right? How one little chance encounter could cause so much uh, influence in somebody's life. It's insane. I mean, I think, I think it's a really important thing to look at because there's so many different things that got to that moment for me, for them. And then when we connected, how it all happened, right? Right. Why was I going to Nashville? Why were they, you know what I mean? All those things. And right. you look at it and that's why I hammer it. I, I, I share it all the time. It's like, show up. You just, it's so cliche, right? You know it. I know it. Everyone listening knows it, but in the moment it's not, it's real. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You say it's cliche and they say, you know what, I know it. But I think people don't really know it, right? Because they can say they do. But when it's time to kind of put the rubber to the road and take action, you know, I mean, January 8th of 94, if that wouldn't have happened, you probably, all those events from that point forward, Nashville probably wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have been at that point, at that point in your life, right? So like you said, it's, it's show up. Do what you're passionate about, and you're going to influence and, people's lives. And, and give them everything you got in that moment. I mean, that's the biggest thing I've learned, too, is, like, for those two and a half, three hours, I'm going to be so, like, people joke about my, you know, my brain, how it moves a little fast, and there's labeling for that if we want it, but I don't need to. <laughs> Uh, but those for, for those two and a half, three hours, I am like so focused on those people and that experience. And I give people an extra 10, 15 seconds. And I'm like, so dialed in. So it's like, yes, show up, do what you love. And then just like in, in the best moment that, that you can, whatever that looks like, be in the best state possible to give them everything you have. Right. Right. You're just all in. You're giving I, him am I all everything. In every game, every night. Is it always at the level I want? No, because I'm human, but Right. That's the, that's where I go to uh, mentally and my state. And it's challenging at times to get there based on life. But when I get there, sure. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, comparing not, not me to Tom Brady or to Bono, but I bet. Yeah, it is. Because it's like when he's on stage with 80,000 people in Brazil singing where the streets have no name and everyone's singing, it's the same thing for me. I'm not comparing myself to a rock star, but I'm comparing myself to being in that state that all of us right. in life as humans 
want to be alive and feel that energy and feel that excitement and feel that connection to whatever yep. it is we're doing. That's it. Right. It, but, you know, but sometimes life happens and it doesn't matter if you're a rock star or not. I mean, we have proof of that in the news, you know, rock stars get, getting into trouble or having, you know, you know, uh, untimely death, you know. So life happens and you're not going to be at that 100 percent state all the time. And I think that's what some people have to realize, too, is that it's not going to be perfect. Give it all that you got at that moment. Right. Yeah, be be in that moment and 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 show up the best you can too. I think is maybe that maybe the extra sort of uh, you know tag to show up. You know, show up and you know. I mean, how many times have you been to a cocktail party or a social function? You didn't want to go, and as you're leaving, you meet Mitch or Sarah, who you have some type of connection about something, and you're like, you leave, and you're like, oh my god, I'm so glad I went. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're absolutely and right. It's it, it, it's on and on and on. And for me, it's like, if I'm tired, if I'm not feeling it at an event, I go and I find my moment that's going to change my state. I get the kid up twirling the shirt. I do something that's going to change that. And I think that that's, as someone who's done this for this long, it's allowed me to learn how to, you know, get there, right? Right. Yeah. Does your family or friends ever get annoyed by the high energy and motivation? Because I've had some people like, hey, it's, you know, sometimes I'm showing up to work five, six o'clock in the morning and I'm just in a good mood, motivated. And it's kind of like, I guess people are like, you're one of those people that are just like, why, why are you smiling? It's too early, you know? I did have a roommate in LA when I first went and he'd be like, Hey, do you need to ask me so many questions in the morning? <laughs> what, is, what is an executive producer? What is a producer? Um, you know, I mean, I think in general, it's like anyone, like what drives you, what you love about someone can also drive you crazy about them. And in my enthusiasm for life. And I'm not always like this in the sense of like, right. I'm not always the guy at the games. Of course not. Comedians are, you know, not always the, you know, throwing jokes down. But um, at the end of the day, I'm, I am naturally a positive person. Um, I'm not always like positive and always happy per se and you know, right. feeling it because I think that that's a gift that I have as well because it allows me to, to find different areas of my spirit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that what I've learned as an entertainer is when to bring it as well based on your question, you know? Right. If you're, if you're, you know, I learned this when I first moved to LA, when you go to LA, everyone in the room wants to be, uh, you know, uh, at the front and center or right. the director, you know, and then I realized like, oh, I'm not going to compete with that all the time. And I, that helped me, you know, just turn it down and maybe when it needs something, right? Yep. Do you have any type of uh, daily rituals or pregame rituals that you do to kind of get yourself into the state? Yeah. I mean, before a game, I, I, you know, I actually, you know, if I'm in the city, I have a nap and then I have a sort of like an hour alone in my hotel room. And then I get to the stadium, I meet with the team executives and then I have my locker room area and I, you know, go for a run around the arena. People are like, what's he doing? <laughs> um, and then I, um, I stretch and when I think about it and when I, when I can, I, I do a two to three minute meditation the last few years, uh, more so before COVID. Um, and then post COVID events, is just a little more crazy and uh, manic kind of behind the scenes, you know, it's never as calm, 
which is maybe why you should do it. <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, and I try to just like, you know, bring it just in. Just kind of prepare yourself. Give, give that energy, right? Right. Because I mean, Madison Square Gardens, that's got to be one of the biggest experiences, I'm sure, at that venue. It's one of the greatest venues. Can you talk about what kind of energy? That I mean, it must be crazy. Well, it's funny because you asked before that is like, how do you get yourself excited and how do you, well, when you're taking the subway or a taxi up to MSG, you're already kind of turned up, right? There's something that's, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? When you're going to your favorite artist or, you know, a great comedian or you got this thing or a rivalry game or, you know, it doesn't always happen. So, yeah, I mean, my whole thing is like with that is, you know, the energy of there is like, it just makes you extra like, just gets your blood flowing more and, and makes you want to give more because you're that much more excited, you know? Right. Do you have a favorite song or the most <laughs> best song to kind of get things going well, at mean, a sporting event? I joke about it, but, you know, Billy Idol, Moni Moni is like the best call response, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the best to dance to, but, you know, I've used it at, uh, you know, 70,000 people. I use it at the U S open every year and I get this half of the stadium going in this half. And it's pretty fun and silly, right? <laughs> right. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what you want, right? You want to be silly. You want to be goofy, anything to get the fans ignited. Well, it's funny. Even you mentioning that, it makes you realize like, why do they respond? It's because, well, I'm making fun of myself first. I'm the first one to admit, like, this is all crazy. Come with me, right? you know, come have some fun yep. tonight, you know? Can you, uh, is there a difference when you, when you're going to all these sporting events, NBA, NHL, tennis, what's the difference of energy between the different sporting events? What would you say is the most, most energy? What type of sporting event? Well, I mean, it's funny because a lot of them are stop starts and you know what I mean? Like NBA has a more of a stop start. Uh, and they score a lot more often. So you cheer more often hockey. You don't score as much tennis is like quiet, please. And they cheer on, on big plays and rugby is like a longer game. So it kind of depends on the flow of the game. I, I think that it's also like NBA is known for its entertainment and it's spectacle. NHL is a little more rock'em sock'em and, and faster paced and NFL is like full on, you know, like everyone, 80,000 people, you know what I mean? So right. I, I adapt to, you know, where I go and, and, and what the, what the team in the game is. And, you know, for me, a lot of the made maybe think of something is like a lot of the places I've had just as much fun as the MSGs and the NBA finals is minor league games, you know, in smaller right. cities across the country. Um, because a, they're, they're like super excited to be there. They're with their friends or kids and they, um, they're appreciative of that I showed up or that there's something extra happening at the event. Right. Um, what about, uh, say, one of your most notable moments during your career? If you had to pick, um, you know, one of them. One of them would probably be at the Vancouver Rugby Sevens when I was performing and all these kids were behind me. And I, I was, it was the end of the day, 30,000 people. And I, got out of the way and there's then two kids and then only one kid and he's dancing, and he's getting the crowd going and he's young and I'm throwing him t-shirts and places going wild. And, and then we do like a, 
Usain Bolt, we stop the music and we do a slow clap with 30,000 people. And that little 18 year old boy, Malcolm has Down syndrome. And uh, it was just like, you know, 30 million views on blew up because everyone's like, wow. And everyone's like, is that planned? I'm like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a, uh, it was a beautiful moment. And I was having a great was, time. It was just everything, everything clicked. Yeah. There's, there, there's probably 120 sections in that stadium. And I picked that one, you know, wow. and it changed his life because the next year they didn't bring me back. They brought him back. <laughs> I mean, Which once again, awesome. in, influencing, changing people's lives. Right. Well, I mean, I mean we're, you know, you know, he did as much for me as I did for him. And I think that's the beauty of the, look, the way you can look at life. Right. That's right. I mean, I, I joke with people. I, I end every talk I, I do. doesn't matter the talk, if it's high school or if it's sales event, doesn't matter. I end on that video is the video. I tell people it's like, I took, took me 24 years to get to this moment. Right. And yes, I've had a lot of other great moments and people, you know, whether it was a famous people or seven-year-old kids and didn't matter, doesn't matter. It's that, it's what are you doing to elevate the experience and who are you bringing with you? And that night with Malcolm, like just tops it all. You know, and that's the perfect segue. I'm just going to kind of finish this up with a, kind of a comment uh, from your book. I just wanted to kind of quote something from yeah. your book. You talk about, uh, it says, but it was a calling, but it didn't happen overnight it took years of struggling trial and error rejection and chaos trying to prove to everyone around me that my crazy dream was one worth believing in i mean you just yeah i mean <laughs> it's funny because the book is a great way to to encompass like take all those stories and and, and that statement and encompass into one sort of tribute to that sense of do you believe like are you going to give it everything and even finishing the book i had to trust me i had to believe but it's not about patting myself on the back it's about going to other people like trying to inspire other people to believe to get up to be that spark right that's right and there's so many stories in the book that talk about that you know and, and you're, you're so right like I, even more recently it's just you're thinking about the journey it's not about you. It's about how you're influencing people, you know, because one day we're not going to be here. How well, does that you know, influence on all those people's lives? You know, how does it continue? How does it continue? Look at Bob Saget, who recently passed away. Right. Uh, whether you're a Bob Saget fan or not, or at what level, doesn't matter for this story. When you read the tributes and you see the videos from John Mayer and Stamos and Jimmy Kimmel and on and on and on, you're just like, I, I, I didn't know he was made that much of a difference and impact in that you know people's lives and i'm sure it extended far beyond the a-list celebrities where oh yeah he went his kindness his empathy his his humor about you know and you're like wow what am i doing what's my legacy in that moment that i have that interaction with you right that's right and i mean another great example is betty white i mean, I mean are you kidding me i'm driving down i-95 and there's a billboard with her picture i mean how many people have passed away and you saw their their picture on the billboard so you know that it doesn't matter your, your your politics your demographics anything somehow that she was affecting people across all walks of life and, and yeah for years. all of us can just take a bit of that you know those ingredients and and, and shake them up and, and and share them right right uh, hopefully we can right 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Cameron, I, I appreciate the time. The book is King of Cheer. Social media. Can you kind of just give out your social media? Yeah, um, handle? Cheers or Cameron Hughes on LinkedIn. Um, love to always love hearing from people where, where too, which is interesting. Where are you? Right. And, and your I website. To come to Georgia, by the way. Uh, when you come to Georgia, I'd love to meet up. It'd be great. Off at a Savannah That's... Bananas game. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'll talk to Jesse Cole about that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, bud.